Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hello, beauties. Welcome to episode 14 of the Bookwifery podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to know whether you should choose general nonfiction or memoir or when it would be a a wise decision um, to to move in the direction of general nonfiction over memoir. Because I'm, I'm talking about this today because it's one of the most common things I've discovered that fledgling writers are holding in their hearts when it comes to the sense that they're pregnant with a book. Um, and so we're going to dive into why that that tends to be the case, um, that that's a really common question. Is this meant to be a memoir or is this meant to be general nonfiction or a book that's meant to directly help the reader? I'm going to talk about what helps you choose one or the other. Uh, and um, two things I want to say here at the top. The first is that um, right now, um, on Thursday, August 23rd, as this episode is going live, enrollment is currently open for the, the intro bookwifery courses that I offer. Four-week book pregnancy planning course where everyone starts and then the three-month first trimester course. This is, the fir- this is the last time in 2018 that the courses will be enrolling and so um, enrollment's open until tomorrow, which is Friday, August 24th, and we're going to be getting started about a week after that, and folks are already starting to gather, and I'm really excited to see what beauty is born through this next cohort that is gathering right now. So I'd love for you to join us if you've been discerning that you are pregnant with the book, and if this episode itself, um, in terms of continued discernment around whether your book is meant to be a memoir or general nonfiction, if you land in the place that general nonfiction really is the invitation for you. That is a doorway that I will open for you to the Bookwifery intro courses um, because that's what we focus on here at Bookwifery. So second thing I want to say before we dive in is that episode one of the Bookwifery podcast talks a little bit about this topic as well. We talk about the three major categories in book publishing, which are fiction, creative nonfiction, and general nonfiction. And I really kind of go into the difference between each of them, what you need to know, um, how you grow in that in that direction based on which category is yours. Um, uh, talk about the publishing path, how different they are for each of those categories, and also kind of reiterating again that the focus here at Bookwifery is general nonfiction, which I define as books that help people. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about the distinction between the two in case you're holding that question. So let's talk about that question. Um, so often people who are wondering, is this meant to be a memoir or is this meant to be general nonfiction, a book that helps people? It's because there's been some significant life experience that's happened to them. And it's almost like they can't even understand their life story and their life experience without the lens of that significant, transformative, life-altering experience that they've had. And so it's like when you think like, when something like that happens to you, it feels, it is so big, so, so full inside of you and everything that you experience of life and everything that you look back and see in your life is like, again, refracted through that lens and you can't, um, and, and you feel like this sense of like something in you wants to be shared and because of that. And so the natural 
question is, is this meant to be a memoir? Because my, my experience was so transformative. I just want to share what happened to me. And it's such a beautiful impulse. Um, and it's like, it's, we can't see anything more than just the experience that we've had. And so, and I've been here. I mean, I know what it's like to have walked through really significant transformative, um, periods in life. And it's like, something big is in there because it's happened to us and we are a completely different person or we've been so, you know, come face to face with big questions and have had to find our way through them. And so it just, it's like we, we want something about that just needs to have, there needs to be something that comes from that in our life. It needs to be shared. It needs to be expressed. It needs to be, um, captured and, um, delivered and like some beauty made out of it. And so the kind of first place we go is, I think I need to write my story. I need to write what happened to me. And so this is where I love to have the conversation. I love to have the, okay, let's really look at this. Are the factors here in you that would indicate memoir is the invitation? Or is it possible that what has happened for you is meant to be kind of, um, translated into something that can be of service to other people. And those are two very different things. One is story and story about us and our life that others can get caught up in and swept up in and inspired by and just inside it with you versus something that becomes more, um, oh, supportive, educational, guided, um, didactic in a way, more like you're using the metal of what you've learned to create help for other people that need some kind of guidance or or help along their own way. So I want to talk about what would cause someone to choose memoir and what would cause someone to choose general nonfiction. Okay, so memoirists, you beautiful unique, rare breed. I, um, when I come across a memoirist, I am always just captivated by their words. It's like whether they're written or spoken, there's always this sense that there are deep waters in there. Um, there's a real, um, respect for language and lyricism and prose and poetry. And there's this real care for the written word. Um, okay. So I guess I would say that the first First sign that someone is meant to be a memoirist is that they have a real care uh, to be a literary writer. They kind of look at themselves as a writer, and it's a sense. There's a sense of identity. Um, I would say that their vocation is words. That they have a sense that the the written word is their. It's like they're married to it. <laughs> um, and the difference between that and someone who's writing in general nonfiction is someone in general nonfiction would view their vocation more as the work they're doing out in the world. They're, they're doing things out there. They're helping people. They're teaching. They're healing. They are companioning. And their focus is more outward. And like, I am here to help others along. Whereas a memoirist is more internally focused and, um, and also very much focused on that, you know, that journal or that laptop, that, that word document, you know, those places where they capture their thoughts, um, those index cards, those, you know, moleskines, like those Kahirs. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's like the, the, the capturing of words and the kind of reflecting on inner experience and, and life experience and somehow finding a way to shape that into stories, 
that is the mark of a memoirist kind of at a first at a first glance. Um, so that's kind of giving you a little bit of difference between the two right there. So I'd say that literary writers, which are memoirists, are you know really focused on the beauty and the poignancy of how to share a story that has happened to them. It's very much focused on that, you know, how do I how do I capture this in the most perfect way? And this is one thing I've noticed about editing memoirists versus editing people who write general nonfiction. And memoirists, when we go through the editorial process, are very um, focused on every single word that has been changed or suggested to be changed. Um, they very much want to look at like, I don't know if you're familiar with track changes in Word documents, but it allows you to see the changes that were made from one version of a document to another. And, you know, a memoirist is someone who's going to want to examine every single, you know, word, line, paragraph, shift, uh, chapter that was changed by their editor. She's going to want to like say, say, okay, well, why was that change made? And do I approve of that change? There's a lot of investment on a literary writer slash memoirist side of, you know, wanting a lot of creative control over their words, which is beautiful. And I fully support that from a memoirist point of view. Um, a general nonfiction writer, in my experience, has been um, one who is much more concerned that their ideas are clear and that they make sense and they're structured in, in a way that unfolds well for the reader. They want their voice to still come through, but they don't really care about like every jot and tittle that's changed. They are more concerned like, does this read well? Does Do I make sense? Do I sound like myself? And so when I'm editing general nonfiction writers, I'm very careful to make sure that we retain their sense of voice and like how they say things, their personality in their words. But I'm also like, I have no, there's, there's almost like this freedom between the editor and the writer in that case where the writer's like, you know, if you can make this better, like go for it. You know, like I don't, I don't need to know all the changes. And so there's a lot more freedom for me as an editor to like shift paragraphs around, shift sections around, retitle sections. Um, and it's all about like the, the, the writer and the editor you know, me and that writer, we are, we're really focused on just clarity and, um, kind of like capturing the reader and like making sure that they can track and they're, they're, they're engaged. And so it's more about the ideas. And, um, so that's another kind of distinction between memoirists and general nonfiction writers is like, how important is the words, how important are the words to you versus I'm just, I don't need to be a perfect writer, but I want to communicate well. I have a lot of big ideas that need to be com communicated in a book and my editor is going to make, help me make sure that it's done well. And, um, I had this one writer that I worked with on two books. Um, he was a marriage counselor and I'd been contracted from a publishing house to work on two of his books. And when they first sent the first book to me, they said, you know, he's got a kind of a funny sense of humor and I'm not sure it translates well on the page, but he seems really finicky about us making any changes to that. And so I was like, okay. And I went into his manuscript and it was really funny. I found it funny, but it was almost like, um, he just needed a little bit of help in translating it. And so, you know, working with that and, and it was really gratifying for me to hear him come back after that book was done. And then his excitement to work with me on a second book, um, because he felt like, um, number one, his personality had been honored and his, you know, someone got him, but also he was like, he was not that concerned about all the changes that I was making or suggesting because he was like, I just want it to be clear. I just want to make sure the people reading these marriage counseling kind of books, you know, are helped with what they need help in and I can help them. And so, okay, so that's another difference between memoir and general nonfiction. 
Um, a memoirist also is going to be someone who feels um, and has basically that people seem to be fascinated with their life and fascinated with their storytelling. Um, so, you know, I think about people whose lives we watch online and it's like, you know, um, like, okay, most common example, Liz Gilbert, I've talked about her in previous um, podcast episodes, you know, when she goes on Facebook, and she shares these like long dear one letters that she writes, um, she's, you know, she has a great blend of like helping her audience, but also telling stories about her own life. And we're like fascinated by her writing process or her life with Rhea, or um, her new dog that she got or her parents that she's visiting with. And it's like, there's something about this person's life that we are just vicariously like watching and learning from. And that's the mark of a memoirist when they feel they have a way of telling stories from their own life that seem to captivate their readers and, and people like want to hear more about their life. <laughs> it's like we're watching a TV show. It's like, oh, what's the next episode? What's the next installment? And so um, I would say that that's the mark of someone who has a uh, um, has the potential to be a creative nonfiction writer, which is a memoirist in one category uh, or one genre. And so, you know, if you notice that people, when you share stories on Facebook or on Instagram um, or on your blog, and you're just talking about your own life and things that are happening and what you're learning, and you're not really trying to like distill it down to be helpful for someone else. um, But people seem to be like fascinated by that and really want to hear more. And they're like, you know, they just love your stories. That can be a mark of you having the potential to be a memoirist as well. Okay, um, here is one where I would say it's you might want to choose general nonfiction over memoir, and that would be that if your story that you have to tell, and this is going to sound a little bit um, a little bit abrupt, but your story isn't fundamentally exceptional. <laughs> and it's hard for me to even say that, but it's such a truth of the publishing industry. Memoir is, you know, I'm sure you know, has exploded in popularity in the last 15 years or so. And, you know, there's so many, you know, there's all these different like subcategories of memoir, like travel memoirs and um, uh, personal transformation memoirs and cooking memoirs and, you know, like tiny living or simple living memoirs. There's like all these different like subcategories of memoir. And um, what's lovely about that is that there's been such opportunity for people's real life stories to come to life and be shared and celebrated. Um, But the challenge with it now is that the market is very saturated. And so more and more, it's like your story has to be fundamentally exceptional for publishers to feel like, okay, people are going to be interested in this because there's so many memoir stories that kind of follow a similar arc. It's like someone travels to a foreign country and they have this awakening and their life has changed. And it's like, there's so many stories out out there about that. Um, Thank you again, Liz Gilbert. Um, But it's so, so it's always about like in, for the memoirist, is there something just really unusual, um, unique, um, like compelling. And so someone who has, you know, gone through a divorce and learned how to pick themselves up from it afterwards, that is a story that has been told many times now. And so what is it about that experience that's really unique or different or compelling from what 
what many people have have heard can happen for them. And so it, it's hard for me to say this because I tend to want to be super supportive and cheerleadery <laughs> of, of every writer that I work with. But sometimes it just comes down to, is there something about this that no one's ever heard before that would give a publisher and an audience a reason to say, whoa, what is this? Oh, I want to read this story. And so I think about books out there like Jeanette Wall's The Glass Castle or The White Castle, The Glass Castle, you know, and she was raised by parents who were homeless, you know, ultimately, and, you know, it was like such a unique upbringing. And it's like, she had to kind of go through this process of like coming to see what the reality was and make some really hard decisions. And, um, how often does that happen to someone? So, yeah, I, I guess I would say like, when you look at your, um, your story, your transformational experience, is there something about it that just hasn't been told before? Um, and that can be a hard call. There's a lot of memoirs that have come out in the last 10 years about kind of spiritual memoirs that are, um, you know, I gave the example in episode one when I was talking about creative nonfiction and memoir, specifically about Lauren Winner writing a spiritual memoir about being, you know, growing up Jewish Orthodox and then becoming a Christian in her 20s and writing a book about, you know, how she came to understand the Christian faith through her, you know, years of living inside the Jewish faith. And there was something really unique about that, that for Christian readers was like, oh, let me deeper, have a deeper understanding of the Jewish roots of my tradition. Um, But spiritual memoir has now like, you know, exploded. And there's so many stories out there about people who have, particularly like I see a lot of this in the evangelical um, kind of subset of Christianity where uh, people are coming into their 20s and 30s and starting to have these awakenings of like, what is this conservative evangelicalism that I grew up in? Something about it has become toxic to me and I need to kind of deconstruct my faith and maybe go away from the church for a while and figure out what I think about God and church and faith and kind of start putting my faith back together. Those memoirs are so encouraging for other people who have had that experience. But at this point, it's almost like it's happened so many, that story has been told so many times by so many different people that I'm starting to notice that there's the need for more of the helpful construction for others. Like, how do you do this? Um, Rather than necessarily needing to read one more person's experience of that. Um, So, but if that is yours and you have a unique angle to that, you know, it's like, some some angle on it that we haven't heard before, then let's hear that. You know, like let's let's broaden the experience of this um, beyond kind of what's become the usual um, understanding of it. So yeah, maybe you have some some additional element to it that's like there's some kind of um, uber fundamentalism background to it, or um, you are raised in a you know like even more specific subset of evangelical Christianity, like you were homeschooled or you were raised in Amish country or something like that. (laughs) I'm just kind of making things up, but I'm just like, what is the, what is the really unique angle to this story that, that people are starting to become very familiar with? So that's something to be thinking about when you're looking at memoir versus general nonfiction. And then the last thing I want to say about, I want to say about this is you may just not want to focus on you. I've been really surprised this year to find how many writers have come through the bookwifery process and courses that have said to me, I know I'm not writing memoir, even though I've had this very significant life experience. 
because I just don't want to focus on me. I really just want to focus on the people that this can help. And so that's a real clear marker. I mean, you almost probably aren't even holding the question of memoir in that point. But just want to say that there are people that have had really significant life events happen to them. And they really aren't interested in like telling that story. I mean, they've lived it, they've worked with it. It's precious to them. But they don't want themselves to be the focus. They really are focused outwardly on what can I do with this that that is is going to help other people that need it. And so, yeah, I just want to come back again to that that question of intent. Is the intent for you as the writer, you know, focused more inwardly and on the writing um, experience and like the words and the craft and all of that, that you that is like your central focus on being being able to communicate and put together something that is beautiful and poignant and that every single word of that experience matters to you? Or is it more of an outward focus of let me let me help other people with this experience that I've had? And then taking into account, you know, these other factors I mentioned, are you a literary writer? Is your story somehow fundamentally exceptional? Um, And people seem to be really fascinated with your life and your storytelling. These are kind of markers of someone that that has the potential to write a memoir. Okay, so let's talk about when it is general nonfiction for you. Um, I, I think, you know, I think about there being kind of two markers of people who are ready to move forward in general nonfiction and write a book and 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 continue building an audience that is helped by their experience. And it's um, if you've had that significant life event that has shaped who you are and you can't even understand your life without that event having happened and, you, and the work that you did to move through it. Um, but you know that you want to focus outward on helping people, people that are in that place. And if that's you, a lot of times the way they come to view that significant life event is that this thing that happened to us or through us was both for us and for the, for other people. It's something that, you know, we can hold in ourselves and honor and value and work with and continue to be transformed by. Um, but there's this awareness that it was for us and it is for other people. There's this sense of like outward mission, um, that is somehow like comes to you through that experience. And, um, so some examples of some of the authors that I've been working with this year that would fall into this category, I shared with you in the last episode, episode 13, about Alyssa Ackerman as being someone who has been a survivor of sexual assault in her own personal life, but has also gone on to get a PhD, teach at the university level, write several texts on uh, and work with um, policy experts around the issue of sexual violence in the world and, and how we make laws or come to understand it or help heal sur- uh, people who have survived something like that or people who have... Um, you know, brought that on someone else. And so this is someone who, you know, Alyssa is a great example of someone who had something really profound and, and specific happen to her that she had to work with and live with and live into and come to understand and heal from, but has also been working in the world on behalf of that for others. Um, so there's a sense in which the transforming event has happened to you and you've worked with it and it has been, you know, life-changing for you, your own growth and sense of self in the world. But then there's this transition that starts to happen where you start to look outward and say, how can this be helpful for other people? And that is the process of working in general nonfiction and starting to build an audience that is kind of um, 
there to learn from what you can share and how you can companion them. Um, And then the other category I would say is if you just have, there's a sense of, and they don't have to be in opposition to each other, they can exist alongside, but there's this sense of um, the work has been given to you to do. So there's a sense of um, vocation or mission or um, just work in the world, life work, that you have been doing, you know, you're, you've been working, you've been leading in your community, you've been heading a nonprofit, you have been uh, teaching and speaking on a certain topic, you have started a school, you have led retreats, and there's a sense in which you've been for many years now doing a certain body of work in the world. And you're now coming to a place where you're like, um, some of this needs to be distilled, <laughs> distilled down into a book that can be packaged and held in someone's hand and they can read through the process or they can they can learn um, kind of in a way that I have not been able to offer that to people in the way that I'm currently working in the world. Because, you know, my nonprofit work has me full up teaching and, and moving around uh, in, a, in a way in the world that has just kind of, it's been like all this disparate work, all these different places, different workshops, different um, leadership initiatives. And it's like, there's all of this like body of work and it needs to somehow be brought together into a cohesive message and understanding and, and therefore there, thereby kind of become your life's work put, put into a, ta- a tactile, um, tangible form. And so, you know, the sense that the work has been given to you to do and a book, it becomes a, a way of expressing that work in yet another way. So yeah, I'm curious, where do, you know, how does all of this sit with you? Where are you landing with this? And um, where are you identifying yourself in kind of this, um, this landscape of possibility? Do you have a sense that it's your, your particular story to tell? Or is there, you know, in, case, in that case, it would be memoir. Or is there a sense in which there's this possibility of deeper service, um, a way to translate this experience into help for others. And that is the really exciting thing I love to see happen when people come into book with free courses is they're, they're starting to see, oh my gosh, like I can start to be of service in some new ways that I'm not currently experiencing. Um, allowing your life experience to become help for other people. Or there's a way in which all of your life experience, your life work, this this mission and call that you've been doing for some time, there's this beautiful like, oh my gosh, I get to now like bring all of that together and start to make some sense out of it. And so so my life's work feels like I've put it all in this book and it's like, it's me. (laughs) And I've worked with writers who have said that, like, I feel like what I've written here is my own life's manifesto. And it's not like their life story, it's their work. It's what they, they have come to deeply believe in value and want to bring into the world. And they've been able to put it into a, into a, a form that it's just like, it's all right there. It's an amazing moment of recognition. So, okay, where does this find you? If you are landing in a place of general nonfiction, like, yes, I am here to help my life experience be of service to more people. Um, and not just for me and not just for the storytelling of what's happened to me, then I want to invite you deeper into the book with free process. As I mentioned at the beginning, we're open for enrollment right now. Um, as, as of this moment, enrollment closes tomorrow. So if you're listening to this when it goes live, wonderful. I'd love to have you come join us. Um, if you go to bookwithfree.com slash expecting, you'll find all the details there to enroll. If you're listening to this later after the, after the enrollment period has already closed, then you'll find instead... 
um, the option to sign up for a notify list in which um, you'll get to hear next time the enrollment period opens. So either way, you can take a next step. You can either join us now or you can sign up to join us later um, if you're coming to this later. But I would love to help you move deeper into your work and the communication of that work in the world. I hope you'll join us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.